Hey, everybody. We have a great book this week to go through the 12-week year, how to get more done in 12 weeks than most people get done in 12 months. And it's a departure from annualized thinking. I think you're going to love this by Brian Moran. I actually worked with Brian uh, a number of years ago, and he gives you ideas to become more productive, more accountable, and to get even better results. Uh, We also have a live workshop on Thursday night. And hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. And there's a link in the show notes if you want to join. So leave a comment, text us questions at 754-273-6069. If you have any questions or any suggestions, feel free to text us. I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to Books to Business. I'm Eddie. Terrence. What do we got this week, brother? Today, we have the 12-week year, a departure from annualized thinking. It was an awesome one. It's time to can the annual plan. Yeah. A lot lot of focus on execution for us creative dreamer types that float around in the the theoretical. This brings you right down to earth, which is cool. It's what I needed. I yeah, I had, a, I had a conversation this morning with uh, Brian Moran. He's the author of The 12-Week Year, How to Get More Done in 12 Weeks Than Most People Get Done in 12 Years. I've known Brian for a while, and uh, he's agreed to do a, a private interview. And I was like, man, I think I would have been a lot better at doing The 12-Week Year now than I was when I first learned about The 12-Week Year. Why is that? I just take things more seriously. I understand that, first of all, I didn't have the knowledge I had you know, even in the last 20, 25 weeks, the knowledge that these books give you is a, a plethora of, of uh, tools that you can implement. Yeah. But there's no books in here about implementation for the most part. Maybe the one thing. Not a lot, though. I just realized something. What? You know how you say the average CEO reads 52 books? Yeah. Well, your old self brought that <coughs> average down. Yeah. It might have been 53. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I didn't read any books. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's funny. That's right. The average CEO. Read like a CEO. Read like a CEO, man. I, I loved, I'm just going to say it out, right out in front, because I, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew there was going to be some practical application stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think why I love this book is because it teaches the way that I like to teach and explain. Things. It like really resonated with me in the fact that it's like really conceptual. He talks about the why, the why, the why, the why, and then he slowly transitions into the how, and right. it's like, okay, you understand now, let's build the thing, um, which is really cool because you're hyped, you're all in, you see the value, you understand it, you feel good about yourself, and then he kind of lays out a map. Yeah. Uh, so that was sweet. I love that transition. A lot of books A lot of books are too much Too much why, not enough how. Right, right. Yeah, they used to say in marketing, sell, sell or uh, give away the why and sell the how. Brian gives you both. He gives you an operating system to run any business plan. Mm. He says the twelve week year is the steady in any in anybody's life. It's a it's a twelve week implementation program because you can't implement a concept and you right. can't implement an idea. You got to put it on paper. Um, what I love about the twelve week year, what I remember from the original twelve week year was the term periodization is a European term. Um, for uh, Olympic tra- uh, trainees. They used, to, they used to isolate periods of time to isolate periods of the body. So they would only train uh, on one part of the body for a period of time. They did it for 12 weeks, and they did it for the Olympics. So they had to get a lot done. So they'd isolate a, um, isolate a part of the body for 12 weeks, and then they would repeat it. Mm. And they'd have ultra-focus, because one of the principles in, in the 12-week year is, 
is smaller periods, not annualized thinking, but also isolating fewer, fewer bigger goals rather than a lot, a lot of, yep. you know, a lot of goals. And there's a, and there's a pain to that at first, mm-hmm. which he talks about, you know, yeah. like it, it hurts sometimes to get into that level of, of detail and that clarity and it hurts to measure it. Right. And he says like part of being successful is having the courage to define and measure. Right. Which I'm like, dude, that's, that's right on because it's like, you know, people make a joke all the time. They're like, oh, after that weekend, I don't even want to look at my bank account. You know what I mean? Or it's like (laughs) when when you're measuring numbers or metrics, it's like, oh no, like, do I want to look? And when, when that becomes part of your routine, you can only improve what you measure. And, uh, that really resonated with me. And you can't, uh, talk about courage. Some, a lot of people don't want to want to shine the lights on their bad results or they don't want to shine the lights on things they said they would do like in a new year's resolution. Pretty, pretty typical. Uh, you know, the, you start the year off with the best of intentions, and one of the challenges with a New Year's resolution or, or an annual plan is once you write it and you get excited about it, which you could very well do, and you don't perform to the, to the number, you know, one-twelfth of the year is gone, and let's say you're not at one-twelfth plan, yeah. then you just tag the underperformance in the other 11 twelfths. And that vicious cycle repeats itself until you find yourself in September with where you're supposed to have nine twelfths of the plan done and maybe you're at three or four twelfths, mm. right? Of course. <laughs> uh, what other number is better than that? And then you got to catch up. You got to play this big catch-up game with, uh, and a lot of times that's when the plan stops because you can't make an adjustment. And the 12-week year, right? It, your year is 12 weeks. So you have four years four year ends in a year. Right. And we always did really well with this. I implemented this in uh, in the early, well, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I implemented this program in my agency, I think maybe even longer. And it was the basis of our planning process. So we'd, we'd have a year end four times a year. Whereas mm-hmm. before we'd work all year, and in the insurance business, the biggest year was always December because people got to make their clubs and their awards and their contracts, and their, right. of course you got to pay for Christmas. Uh, that 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 dynamic happened four times per year with this system, right? Yeah, that's why you get some ludicrous clients in in November, December because people have money to spend. They didn't plan it right. It's like whoa. Yeah, yeah. People, there's, all, there's it's unexplainable why so much business is done in the twelfth month of the year in a lot of companies. Yeah, because their all their bonuses are tied to the annual plan. Right, and the annual plan typically ends in, you know, in the end of December. So everyone's compensation is always leaned towards, you know, hitting a number, an annual number. And that's why a lot of things are done. And a lot of, a lot of ethical challenges happen here, too. What do you mean by that? Oh, I mean, controllers and, and bookkeepers have to hit a number and they, they do some creative co- accounting. Mm. Salespeople oversell, overzealous salespeople trying to hit bonus sometimes will sell. Um, it's, it's a challenge. And it's one of the problems with it's one of many problems with the annual planning process. It's, just, it's too long term thinking. Yeah. And certainly going anywhere past a year departs from any reasonable plan. I mean, think of, what, what do you think about three years out, right? It's why it's so hard to do you know, any type of plan. And three years out, it's hard to do anything but, but throw a number at it. Yeah. It's just a guess. And you mentioned something important in there that I, uh, you know, I don't want to understate is adjust. Like success mm-hmm. is adjusting. Right. Like it's really what it is. I mean, it's measuring, adjusting, measuring, adjusting. And so, you know, what this does is it gives you four little finish lines 
that you can look around you, assess where you are, and adjust. Right. Yeah, the um, world stopped at the end of the 12th week. Right. And then you reset. And the only purpose of a plan is to implement something. I mean, that's like the primary purpose of a plan. So we can implement something. You got to go from idea, which is in your head, to some kind of vision which starts to appear in the mind's eye. Mm -hmm. Like, what does it look like, kind of? Like, they're visionary people are out there. And then at some point, they gotta, you got to have someone drop it into a plan. And that almost always shows up in some kind of long five-year plan broken down to all these longer plans. But in the 12-week year, uh, what I like that Brian starts with a, the concept of a three-year vision. Like, take, take it from three years and then take that three up to five because we did this exercise today, which was kind of interesting. We'll share that in a workshop on Thursday. Uh, our 12-week plan which we implemented, right, Steve? That's right. Steve was in charge of the 12-week plan. He's the, <laughs> he's the keeper of the plan. The keeper of the plan. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm trying to get my screen to stay um, on, uh, to not keep going black. So one second. <laughs> I hate that. That's oh, the worst. Okay, I got it. Um, yeah, so we did, we did our own this afternoon. And... Uh, it, not only is it produ like you, you see the value, right? Because it's the first time I've really done that level of detail. Really? Um, yeah, I always have guidelines and I always have short-term goals, but I've never been that methodical mm -hmm. like down to the step. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun to do too. It's <clears throat> fun to like lay out in detail. It's almost like role-playing your ideal world right. in three years. Um, it's, a, it's a fun exercise and it's a productive exercise. Because, right. uh, you know, and Steve talks about this all the time in his world, visualization um, it's an important thing because you have to become it before you're it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, vision, vision always supersedes a plan, in my opinion. Yep. Um, and supersede a word? Supersede yeah. before, yeah. right? Um, and vision. What's supersede mean? Supersede is a I think, I think it's a word. Supersede. Yeah. That would not be the last time or the first time I got it wrong. Um, but vision always comes first. I mean, if you, you know, you can't build it. I'm looking over your right shoulder. I see the guitar hotel from the Hard Rock Casino. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautifully lit up right now. And someone had to see that in, the, in their eye. Like, I, oh, let's make a guitar out of, or a hotel out of a guitar. Uh, I mean, imagine visualizing that and telling an architect to, to put it together. Yeah, I know. Trust me, this is going to be awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a spectacle. Yeah. You know, especially if you're landing in Fort Lauderdale Airport, you see this giant hotel that's a guitar. It's a spectacle, but someone saw it in their mind's eye, I'm sure years ago, and then made it so, and they drew up the plans. Yeah. And that's what an architect does. So you, when you have a, 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 a vision in your head of what you want to have, what you want to be, and what you want to do, it's called have, do, and be, right? Yep. I want to have this, to do that, to be this. And that's the exercise you go through in a visualization. Supersedes a word. It's uh, to take the place of. An example would be the older models have now been superseded. Oh, I've used it wrong. No, I think you used it right. You said per, like as perceived. A vision supersedes a plan. Yeah, it comes that's before. perfect. Well, yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. If you're oh. saying it's more important than a plan, actually. Oh. Yeah. No, you before. meant to say precedes a plan. You know we're going to get a comment from an English <laughs> teacher <laughs> or my English teacher. I think she watches. Um, both right? I don't think so. I think I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm okay. I have the courage to admit it. But I don't think you are though. <clears throat> Take the place of supplant. 
take it could, it could work. Replace. I don't think it's, it could, I, it, it's synonymous with replace. Yeah, it, so that, it, it probably well, so was it not right. Yeah, because right, right. I would say it precedes the, the vision's got to precede the plan, right? And you know, it's a way to work backwards from the result. It's like that giant domino almost in the metaphor of the domino. Mm. It's that one that's way, way out there. You can't even conceive knocking over. You got to work backwards to the domino today in the 12 week plan or the first 12 dominoes, really. Yeah. If you think about it, right? If you, if you want to get something started, there is a place to start. And we started our vision, things that we want to have, right? We wanted to have certain things, things that we want to do with the things we have and things that we want to become in the process. Yeah, at the end. So we say, wow, that'd be kind of fun. We got really excited about it. I remember that. That was fun. Yeah. I haven't awesome. done a plan in a long time. So it was cool. It's yeah. almost like the, uh, the vision is the outline yeah. and then uh, you know, the action is everything that fills it in. Yeah. The old saying is people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Mm. Right? And people still plan and fail. They just got to bring it into a 12-week plan. Right. Because in 12 weeks, if you're off course, you can have a reality check. You can schedule it with yourself. Uh, but most, in most cases, uh, doing it with a peer is, uh, I guess, 70% more Yeah, more the effective. accountability. Yeah. Um, if you had to guess which quote I'm going to ask you to look up, what would it be? <coughs> Ants? The clear, James Clear's quote. Oh, right, right, right. I, oh. I, I don't even want to guess. I'm close, but I, it's just so perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. put. Give me a couple words of it because I forget it too. Um, basically, we fall to our processes. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, it's like the Aristotle quote. We, we become what we do repeatedly. Yeah. So life is not a... We don't rise to our goals. We fall, fall to the level of your systems. Oh, ah, that gives me chills. James Clear. Say it clearly one more time. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall. Where'd it go? You fall to the level of your systems. Hmm. Meaning like, it's remember. almost like, so, so Brian talks about it in this book when he references two things. He goes, Phelps, you know, people say he's great and he was great when he won the award. No, he was great all the time leading up to that. Um, but, Here's the caveat. Every day was not amazing for Michael Phelps. Phelps had bad days. Phelps had days where he didn't want to. He had days where it would have been easier not to, but he had such strong systems in place and routines in place right. um, that you, know, you fall back to that. That's, that's your, your ground level. Yeah, it brings you in, particularly when you make a, a commitment. He makes a distinction between a, a commitment. Like it's not a promise to someone else. It's a promise to yourself. Mm. Like you're going to make a commitment to work your plan. Everything falls, you know, from motivation to visualization to the 12 week or to the annual plan broken down to the, the 12 week plan broken all the way down to the couple goals broken all the way down to the week. Right. And then you have, then, then you have a process of keeping score, like things that we're doing. Like we had things that we want to do next week and we'll have a, a what did, he calls it a wham, right? Yeah. I forget the acronym. Weekly accountability meeting. Boom. Wham. You got whacked in the wham. That's when you get fired in the weekly accountability meeting. Oof. That's a combo. But um, yeah, you, you end up... You end up um, I feel like you have some battle stories. <laughs> oh, my God. That'll He's like, call. that'll keep you up for two weeks. The weekend whacked in the wham. <laughs> well, some people, would, some people would write these plans down. I mean, this is the problem. You, you know, I hired him for big money. I mean, he's, he's a high-end. He's a New York Times bestseller. So I hired him for big money at the time. I remember it was a lot. And he came in, and we had 
you know, 100 people there that wanted to go through the 12-week-year workshop, which is fantastic. And a lot of people, we did it as an agency, but we had everyone else do it for their little companies, too. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own practice. Like, you don't have to do it. You know, like, you could very well have a 12-week plan for your own physical uh, goals and yeah. your, your own your own uh, personal achievement too. It's a it's a it's an operating system to, to to for any outcome. Not only you could, you probably should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, what happens is you are what you repeatedly do, and excellence comes from a habit. And the habit of planning in this level, the the twelve week year, makes you deliberately rewrite your plan every every uh, 12 weeks rather than once per year. Yeah. Like we used to go away for a whole week, uh, like three days and just write our plan. I remember that. It wasn't a whole week. It was probably two full nights. So we spent three days and by the end of it, you're so wiped out. Um, and what, what, what the first thing I remember is when we rewrote the plans to 12 weeks, um, the, the planning process was, was shortened. It didn't take as long because we kind of knew where we had to make the adjustments. Right. We didn't have to like rewrite, scrap it, and rewrite it. Because what happens usually in January, probably usually happens in November. You know you stunk in a year, so you're already planning on on rewriting your plan. So what was that backtracking like? Was it like a, like habitual levels, or was it? I guess it's just pivoting in different ways, right? But well, when you, it's the same process, but you do it four times instead of once. But the framework for the annual plan is in place. Like the the idea is like if you want to have a good 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 year, like say let's say you want to go up twenty percent yeah. on an annual basis, which is a good growth year because inflate you know call inflation at three. Okay. So if you grow your company at twenty percent, you're outpacing you know inflation. You're outpacing as an investor. You know if a company's growing by twenty percent, you know a good a good acceptable investment right now would be two or three percent, maybe five, right? So if you're growing at twenty, that's a big deal. And a lot of people say, I want to grow at 20%. And they put this plan together and they, they put the systems in place that on paper look like it'll work. Mm -hmm. And then you get complacent about implementation because you have this long year. Like you can hide for two months in a 12, in a 12 month plan. You could hide. And then you could be in like the third month before you can start to see something ugly appearing. It's like, oh my God, I think this year sucks and I don't really. Right. And now you're starting to tell stories about it. Right in the absence of data, to Brene Brown's last book, right? In the absence, we invent in these stories, and the companies, or you know, in my case, the company would say, "How's your year going?" We'd always have some kind of story to attach to why the plan's not working yet. Mm. This person's sick. This person left. This law changed. It was always this big dance, right? As opposed to being behind in a month. If you're behind in a month, and there's only three months in your year, right? It's three months in a twelve-week year. The year's almost over. And the and the story is compacted, so you got to really respond. It's like walking around with the big spotlight. Yeah, you can't you can't miss it. You know, think about um, you know think about training for a TED talk, right? Yeah, didn't you you know didn't you want to do another one? Yeah, yeah, I, and I'll approach it differently. You know, but it's a, it could take a long time to plan. I know someone that did one without rehearsing. I would. I mean, that's just that defeats the entire purpose. Yeah. It's such a like a privilege to do it in a, a yeah. career mover. Yeah, it wasn't very. It, there was a lot of weaknesses in there. You know, of course, if you yeah. have a, a bunch of time to do it, you can you can kill it. I had a board where I checked off. I wanted to do a hundred reps before I got on stage. Right. And I still look at it now, and I'm like, Duh, I think that's why I'm doing another one. But yeah. but if you had to do one in a year on a totally different topic, you can you can kind of look at you know what would it take to get a million views on a TED, you know, that'd be your vision, getting a million views, 
touching a lot of people. Right. You know, make, moving, what do you call it? Putting a dent in the world. That's right. your, to, your, to your thing. I love that. If you work backwards from that as a visualization to today, you know, there's 12 weeks. What do you got to do over the next 12 weeks to get ready to be able to share that 18 minutes with the world? Right. Edit, cut, write, edit, cut, write, yeah, edit, cut. Yeah, then you practice, also got to get, practice, yeah, practice, you got to get practice, the event practice. too. You got to apply for the event. There's a lot of tactics <laughs> yeah. that are involved in, in that happening. By the way, I'm almost sure that if we made that, a, a, you know, a priority and visualize it, I'm almost sure we can get you on a TED stage somewhere, working backwards with a great message. But if you, you know, you'd start, you'd start now, and you'd have it tight. For sure, that's yeah, just yeah. something cool. I, Agreed. And he talks about, I mean, it's not all busy. Like he talks about the personal level. There's actually a lot of tie in between the James Clears and the Charles Duhigs of the world and some of the stuff he talks about, you know, mm -hmm. with like your personal environment and, you know, removing distraction. And, you know, there's some real tangible stuff there in terms of putting yourself in a position to win. Because that's really what he says. You know, he talks about, and this ties right into my, my videos and, and, and my neck of the woods when he's talking about never being a victim, like just owning your life right. and the world around you. That means being responsible for your environment. That means being responsible for your results. It means being the one with the keys, not the one making excuses. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that, you know, when I talk about like that piece being so important, uh, because it gives the reader like a real sense of understanding, you know, one, how much power they have, and two, you know, why this 12-week plan is valuable. Otherwise, it's like, okay, you know, this is an implementation system, so what? Right. You know, but you really get the, the value, like you understand it. Well, I think the, in, in absence of a, of, a 12, of a plan, of a good plan, there is a, uh, a predisposition to go to the to-do list, and things kind of get on your list as the year goes, and right. I know this because there's things that happen, right? The, the market conditions change, and then you're adding things to the to-do list. And if you're not structured and the world, the, the, the world gets away from you, you're going to start pecking away at your to-do list, and your, your plan's going to suffer. Yeah, you're hurting cats. Yeah, exactly. And, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're, your one and only day is getting absorbed by whatever you seem to get to versus... Um, you know, in a good time structured uh, 12-week plan, when you have extra time, you don't go to the to-do list, you go to the plan. Yeah. And you pluck from the plan, you can pull things from, from future weeks that are in there. Because you, pe you, you peck out the, the, uh, the 12 weeks, right? First of all, you peck out the three-year vision, then you go down to the, the goal, mm -hmm. right? And then you pick three goals over 12 weeks, and then you do one-twelfth of it each week. So you got 12 one-week plans. So it's not a, it's not a perfect, twelve week plan. It's twelve perfect one week plans. That's kind of mm -hmm. how the, how the, how the program works. Because so you can make adjustments, on missing something in one twelfth. Right, and yeah, the, yeah, the worksheet we use kind of helped. Oh yeah, it's great. Help with that too. So as a, a a new, relatively new business, I mean we're, we're what. Uh, seven, eight months now, this podcast and our months. business has been together, six full months. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, w I can definitely see how we're going to use this, and it also, like, ties into the idea of, what does he call it, the emotional... What was it called? Um, cycle of EOC. change. Cycle of emotional change. cycle of change. As yeah. we were filling it out, we were talking about, you know, where we are in that, in that cycle. You know, it's, right. it's an interesting thing. Well, when you're putting something together, right, you have this um, 
optimist, uninformed optimism, he says, is phase one. That's where you think things are really better than they really are. Yep. And you don't anticipate all the things that could go wrong with a good idea. Right. Like, just go on Shark Tank for, for 10 minutes. I saw a guy that brought a pizza oven on there the other day, and he did this little skit, and he nailed it. And then he came out of character, and they destroyed him. He wasn't ready for it, so I'm sure he had all this optimism going on Shark Tank, and he, he left, yeah. Oh, so that's uninformed optimism, and you go, and you're all excited, and then you hit phase two, which is, I think it's called informed pessimism. Informed pessimism. That's when reality strikes in. Right. That's when, you know, I, so to, yeah, it's like leaving your job because you're going to be this amazing entrepreneur and make all this money, and it's awesome, and then a month later, you're in your shorts in an apartment sitting there your looking shorts. at your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> your shorts. That's, that's even worse than doing bad. You got to be in your shorts. I mean, hey, you, you're, you're eating. Your, I don't know why I said you're that. You're taking your left shots. I mean, you're taking the shots to the head. You're like realizing You're taking yeah. it, yeah. And people get this all the time when we recruit them <laughs> to become financial planners. You know, it's just, it sounds like a, you know, I'm going to be a Wall Street stockbroker. I mean, everyone's seen the movies and then you end up you know, getting hung up on and people, you know, you come from a world where you're respected and now you're getting your teeth kicked in. Right. You know, you know people think you're trying Not to take so advantage of like, Oh it? my yeah. God, this is horrible. And that's an, you know, interesting dynamic when you go from one to the other, you know, who, whoever doesn't quit has a bigger journey ahead of them because of the third, the third uh, phase of this cycle. The valley of despair. Ooh. That's, you know what? As dark as it is, that's my, my favorite. It just has the most oomph. But that's when most people quit. That's when yeah. it's just, it, it, all you can think about is what's going wrong, and you lose sight of what can go right. You lose sight of the, the upside. Then, they, then they, you know, that's, that is when you lose a lot of people. I'm sure that's when you lose them in anything, like in uh, the Navy SEALs. You know, they, you talk about buds. They have that, that hell week where everybody leaves. It's got to be their value to spare, right? They lose like half. Yeah, those yeah. that were there, they're all they all show up and get qualified to be Navy SEALs, and they make it through the first part. But now they're starting to get beat up. They're starting to realize they're not superhumans because mm -hmm. they'll beat it. They'll beat the human out of you, and they'll get you in the valley. And they want to see who has the guts. And if you're an entrepreneur, this is the journey. Like this is when you know the tough really enjoy it. They really say, "Oh, this will be the story that you get to tell everybody." You can tell your grandkids this. Yeah, right. That's what it's all about. Why? Yeah. And then you cross the chasm over to informed optimism, right? Mm. You had fact-based reason. Fact-based reason is be, be uh, happy and, and uh, celebrate. So this is your coming. If you think of it like an upside-down bell curve, right? So the very bottom is the valley of despair. Right. And then you start kind of coming up again. Yeah. And that's the informed optimism. And so what do you think an example of that would be? Let's say in the financial planning world. Oh, I mean, that's an easy one. You, well, you, I can give you, it depends. If, if you're, you know, this guy works with a lot of financial planners. That's where we met. But he works with everybody. I talked to him this morning. He's all kinds of corporate deals. Because uh, his idea works anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, if you wanted to open up a new office, let's say, and you have all this optimism and you want to go into a small, you know, let's say you want to go into a small market. Uh, here's a good example. Let's say you want to just move. So I want to move to Florida. I'm going to move to Florida, and I'm going to start another business down here. It's warmer. There's not cold. Um, you know, there's a lot of old people. They need planning. You know, a lot of commuters. It all sounds good on paper. You sell your house. You sell your practice. You move down here. You get a great office. You set it up. You get a new assistant. 
nice lights. You can see the beach. You can go for a walk. You live on a golf course, and then nobody calls you. <laughs> all right, nothing happens. It's like no one knows you. You have no credibility. It's not transferable. And all of a sudden, you're gone from being hero to literally zero, and no one knows you. So that's like going from inform uninformed optimism. It looks good on paper to the reality is you're a stranger to them, right? Hmm. And you need to go through the process just like you did 20 years ago. Maybe you get there a little quicker and then, you know, then getting through the valley of despair is like, did I make the wrong decision? And maybe I should have just stayed up there and taken a few weeks off a year uh, until, they, you know, you break through. The good ones will break through. I mean, it's an interesting example, but... The leads start trickling in. Yeah. And you start saying, okay, yeah. I can do this. Go back to the fundamentals. Typically, you typically dust off your planning book, go back to the fundamentals and execute the things that you were taught. Yeah. Because uh, one of the things about most businesses, because um, this, this reminds me a little bit of uh, the concept of temporal discounting, right? And temporal discounting means if you save, uh, the example being is if you, if you save $30 a month for 50 years, you'll let have a million dollars. So you, you see the $30 a month is a very small number compared to the 50, uh, the million dollars in 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. But today, the $30 to someone might seem much bigger. So the, what the current cost of getting that result seems bigger than it really is. And the future benefit seems smaller than it really is. And as you start traveling through, they start becoming, it's, you know, it starts becoming more realistic. And then after a while, it's nothing. You know, the, the benefit seems real and you're making your way to it. It's momentum. Gotcha. Uh, it's called temporal discounting. Um, and you see that a lot with saving. Yeah. yeah. What's another way? Is it first first rate thinking, first something thinking? First order? First order thinking. That one? Is there, is there a tie in there where like you're, you're, I mean, I get that they're different, but they're also similar in the sense that like, it's like the brownie. Your first order thinking is, oh my God, it tastes good. I want it. And that's all you can see in the moment. When um, the second order thinking would be like, yeah, but... It's not good well, for yeah. me. It doesn't meet my yeah. goal. Right, right. That's interesting. Um, Very similar, I guess. Maybe a stress, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, because yeah, you, you get the reward for the brownie. Yeah. Uh, I know, like, in compounding it, and th this is a business book, obviously, because 12-week years about, you know, growing a business. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you put a dollar away, the, that'll earn the biggest amount of reward to you than any dollar you put thereafter because it's in there the longest. Right. It's like effort that you do. We were talking to Steve today about, you know, overworking at something for a year or two and being underpaid. Like that's what happens when you start a business. Like yeah. some businesses, you don't take any money out. And then you've done the right thing so that you can be overpaid while you underwork. For the rest of your life. Forever, yeah. right. And that's, and that's what the 12-week year will do for you. Do, doing the plan. You know, and going through this process of uninformed optimism, getting your teeth kicked in, trudging across the valley of despair, not leaving and quitting and rising up. Or as Ben Franklin would say, taking care of the minutes so the years take care of themselves. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I when, think my favorite part of the book might be that when we talked about Phelps, it reminded me of it when greatness is not achieved when you achieve something great. It's, it's in the, the time spent working towards that event. So it's, a lot of people think you win the medal and now he's, a, he's great. But it was all through the valley of despair that he was 
becoming great. And that's when the greatness was actually being achieved was during those times. That was really impactful. It's hard hitting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The 10,000 hour rule. People see the guy on the podium, not what they went through. Mm. Yeah. And that's the same for same for a business. Same for a solopreneur. Same for an athlete. Same for someone in school going through anything. Well, he, broke, he breaks it down pretty simple in this book. This book's a quick read. It's four hours. I mean, it's a little over four hours. There's actual worksheets in the book. Is There's three principles, five, five disciplines in one cycle. Like the principles are accountability. He has commitment. And then he's got the, what do you call it, greatness in the moment, right? Which you, you explained to me. So you got, a, you got accountability. You got a way to keep score and, make, and, 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 and be courageous about your results and then commitment is promises you make to yourself and your team and then what's greatness in the moment greatness in the moment is is executing in the now understanding that right now like the work you put in it's almost like what we've been talking about mm-hmm. the work you put in now will ultimately come to shape what you get down the road yeah. so it literally is the ben franklin quote take care of the minutes and the years take care of themselves right man that's, i think i love that uh I, I, we're interviewing him in a couple of days. I want to specifically ben Franklin? ask. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's ben. next week. He's next week. <laughs> we're interviewing his ghost. Uh, no, I want to talk to him about greatness in the moment. It's yeah. kind of a cool concept. And the five principles, or the five disciplines are vision, make a plan, process controls, measurement, and time use. So these are all outlined in the system. Uh, when you use, the, when you get the book, which is what. 15 bucks, 20 bucks, you have a, a planning system, a planning process. You can use this as a tool and a guide. And then the cycle, the simple cycle is you keep score, you plan, and then you account. Then you, you, know, you count everything up and you re-rack re- it. Yeah. It's a simple, simple system to, to, to execute anything. Simple as that, yeah. Simple. And if someone asked me to explain it in a sentence or two, like if they're like, Eddie, give me the one takeaway... It's like when you don't set clear goals or when your length of time is too long, you lose the ability to be aware of what you're doing, to analyze it, and make changes. So mm-hmm. you have to shorten your deadlines to give yourself clarity. Yeah. That's kind of the, the gist. There is a, there's another thing to the fact that you write a plan. Like we did this as a team. of three of us sat down, and the first thing we did was the vision exercise. And the first thing we wanted to do after that is throw numbers on the board. Like, oh, let's be this, let's be that, let's be at a zero, you know, to the income, at a zero to the viewers. And instead of saying, no, what is it, you know, what are we going to have, what are we going to do, what are we going to be? And that, that produced a feeling. We were excited about it, right? And the fact that we did it together, here's my point, is you're way more likely to be successful if you, if you do something, you go through this journey with somebody else, through this four-part four cycle of change, through this planning process, uh, you'd have a partner to do the accountability meetings. And uh, there's an article called, uh, written by Fast Company, and uh, Brian referenced it in his book. I looked it up and read it. It's about an uh, article written about change or die. It was written about transplant patients that had a hard time, heart transplant ta- patients that had a hard time changing their habits that produced you know, the unhealthy life that gave them their heart failure. And 70% of them in a peer environment changing their habits together uh, succeeded. Whereas if they do it on their own, most relapsed. 
into the bad, bad behavior. Mm. So having a peer to do it, all studies point to doing that with a peer, like an accountability buddy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that at least briefly because he says we look at accountability wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, accountability is not discipline or consequence. Um, how did he define it? Accountability is... That's good for that. Um, accountability versus consequences. Yeah. Like, is it, most people in corporate settings, particularly, like if there's a culture of, you know, where those whams or when people meet together to go over their measurements, if they're nervous or they're scared or they think it's going to be like complete, like, you yeah. know, a slap on the wrist, it's different. It's, a, it's an opportunity to measure and readjust as a team. It's like a, um, a necessity, not a punishment. You, yeah, you can't impose accountability on someone. They always say, let's have an accountability meeting. You know, everybody, we're, we're in a free world as far as I know, and everything comes down to a choice. You know, you don't have to do anything. You choose to do it. And if you choose to do something that the company is paying you to do, you're going to get a consequence. Right. Right. So it's not, you know, that's, that was his take on accountability versus, um, what do you call it? Uh, consequences. Yeah. You know, choose to versus have to. Like, you have to do this. And it's nice as an employer or a business owner when you finally say, you can do whatever you want. I'm paying you for this result. You can choose not to do the activities to produce that result. And if you do so, there'll be consequences vis-a-vis, you know, being paid or you'll be, you know, part ways, which is okay. Yeah. You know, it's perfectly fine to part ways with somebody. For sure. Yeah. When you structure, I mean, we haven't read a book on compensation yet. But there's some good books on compensation, incenting people. There was a little bit uh, in uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac on it, mm. on incentive-based uh, bias. I think I only did the cognitive biases. Yeah, it was in there a little bit. But there's a lot to do with accountability, alignment of compensation, alignment of goals, all of which could be tied into a 12-week plan for a team. Another thing I, I wrote down in my notes was that I don't think we touched on yet was doing this plan, you say you have this lofty goal that you want to set. <clears throat> he mentions that when you write it out and you actually write down to the day what you have to do to get it done, you can see if the cost is worth that commitment. Because a lot of people, you make this, you make a commitment to these things, but you don't even really understand what the cost is going to be. And if you write it out the plan, see what you have to do day in, day out, how much you have to spend of your life and what it'll take. You'd be like, this is not worth it for the goal. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool too. Because if, if you don't define it, you're never going to bring it all the way back to the moment. And we had an interesting dialogue about a similar topic today. Yeah. You know, building something to get a benefit versus getting an instant benefit out of something you do along the way, right? Like building a big, like this is a long play. This particular business strategy is a long play in business. And there's periphery opportunities and things that come from it. Our biggest opportunity and and benefit is from the wisdom that we get from the books. So I've used this wisdom. In fact, we reapplied this very book. We wrote a 12-week plan today, uh, which I think will 200,000x our investment on this book. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the analogy of is it better to go right into starting a business out of high school or going to college and paying the money? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. You got to weigh out what's best for you. Depends, right? You know, you got, you got costs, right? You got the cost of college, all right, let's say you didn't go to college, you take whatever college costs and you apply a, a opportunity cost 
recovery on that. Let's say it's six percent. So you, instead of spending a quarter million bucks on college, you drop it at six percent into something, and then you also go to work right away, and you earn that money. So maybe there's some form of crossover. That's a calculation. Is right. my point, and that's a great point, Steve. Like everything costs money. Okay, whether or not it's a good deal, I mean, that's not money. It's 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 life and time. But if you're measuring money, if you're earning money. There is also a lost opportunity cost of, a, of something you can do better with that time that could get you a better result. Yeah. And that's the measurement that has to happen. Before you make that decision. Right. And the, the, the follow-up being, if it's no, I think we talked about this a little while ago, mm-hmm. say no. Right. That's much, you know, if you're looking long-term, people respect that more, people understand that more than doing, as you say, the dirty the yes. The dirty yes. So that was fantastic. <laughs> um, Brene from last week, the dirty yes. It's like, yeah, you're really saying yes, but really what you're saying is F no. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just nodding to you to get rid of you. That's a dirty yes. Uh, that's I know a, a handful of dirty yesers. Oh, my God. They're there's there's oh a million God. of them. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother, a whole nother dialogue, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we have for questions? We get any? Um, sure. Uh, maybe before you read them, uh, do you mind? I can't see the number from here. Otherwise, I would just read it. But just shouting out the the cell phone number for people to text. Oh, sure in. thing. Thanks, man. Let me uh, pull that up. The number, if you want to text in, is seven five four two seven three six zero six nine. And we're really active on Instagram, all four of us. So the the, the podcast page or all three of our personal Instagram. <laughs> it was like four. <laughs> There's three or four of us around here. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, what was the out of out of the book? Was there any part of the planning process that you struggle with most? Oh, that's a good one. Um, usually for me, it's the detail. It's like you know, it's, it, it's like sticking out. You know, he talks about blocking off your time. Uh, you know, my struggle is blocking off my day, and then things come that feel urgent, and like whether they truly are or not. Um, you know, maybe that's TBD. Maybe it, it comes through in a maturation process. I don't know. But like, you know, I'll have time set aside to create and I'll get an email or a text and I'll be like, oh man, like I feel like this needs attention now. And so that to me is, I guess that's more the execution than the plan. But yeah. that's been my my challenge. That reminds me of something that really stuck out to me in this book. It, it didn't just change my perspective. It like flipped it 180 degrees, which, which I've heard before. It reminded me of the compound effect. Uh, he says... Planning, because uh, I think of planning, like writing these things down, it feels like a, another task. And he says, planning doesn't waste time. It actually saves you time. Mm. Of course, because like in the future, but it, like, when you hear that, you're like, of course it does. But when you're going to do that action, it feels like you're taking away from what you're doing. But if you remember it's saving you time over time, it's, that's huge. Yeah, it's an investment. Also, I've had issues with the planning process where the front part of the plan wasn't well thought out. Like we did a really good job today, uh, visualizing what a good outcome would be. Like, would you call that the back end or the front end? Well, it's the front end because it should drive all the all the weekly plans down to the day. You should be able to look at what you want to do in a picture without any words in your mind's eye. That's what visualization is. It should be. We were starting to write numbers down, and we got too tied up in a number. You get more emotionally attached to the picture. It, it, it prints in your brain. And when I made made mistakes in the planning process before, I was chasing somebody else's number instead of a purpose driven visualization of what my life should look like, right. what I want to be: happy, healthy, successful, free. Like those were all the types of words that were in our our vision statement. Yeah. So I think a lot of people poop poop vision. 
they're like, eh, it's too fluffy. And then just hope the arrow finds this magically the target that they want. Well, think about it. If you have 50 people in a room, you know, not everyone's going to be the secret, you know, and, and talking about, you know, manifesting things. And, you know, some people want to get right to it and say, you know, what is, what's the number divided by 12 and how many people got to do it to be assigning tasks before there's a, a powerful yeah. underneath uh, undercurrent of, of uh, purpose embedded in it. Yeah, I think an easy way to, at least is how I communicate it in my own head, it's like, because you tend to associate vision with fluff, like, ah, right? But like vision and what you believe, how you identify yourself directly correlates to the action you take, Mm -hmm. which directly manifests into your reality. So if you don't visualize something, you're you're just, you're, you're shooting free throws with your eyes closed. Right. Um, but it's, it's scientific. It's not just, you know, it's not magic. Well, then when you're in the Valley of Despair or in, in the uh, pessimistic stage, if you don't have a powerful vision that you can reflect, reflect on uh-huh. or have a team member put that picture of that life you want to be in, you know, with your family and the things that mean a lot to you, you'll quit. Yeah. And you got to be attached to that. Um, that's the whole that's the whole reason um, a lot of people are unhappy at work. That they're 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 working someone else's vision, or they're just they're just mindlessly wandering through life without a real direction. And this this book is a tool to connect your vision to tactical actions four times a year. You know to do it and and, and live it every day and every week. Yeah. Yeah. Two thumbs up for me. I really enjoy. I it. love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's always good. Looking forward to her. He's uh, he's only up the street. He's stuck in uh, in uh, West Palm Beach. Oh yeah. There. <laughs> well, he's from Michigan, but he's he's in West Palm Beach with his family. It's a good place to be stuck if you're from Michigan. <laughs> yeah, it's right. not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, cool. Is that it for the week, Steve? Yep. All we right. don't have next week's book, but I know what it is. I'm super excited about it. Me too. Perfect timing. Locked and loaded on Audible. Have you started it yet? I haven't. Do you want to introduce the book? Sure. It's uh, by Viktor Frankl, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And this has been suggested by quite a few people, mm-hmm. believe it or not, eerily. Like, it, within the same day, we got three of them. So yeah. uh, we're going for yeah, it. Yeah, I got connected to his grandson, who's a uh, documentarist. Uh, documentarist? That's the correct word. Let's do it. Let's go, with it. Let's, just go, let's go filmmaker. Oh, he's a filmmaker. Yeah. yeah there's you know. two words. <laughs> I continue to support. <laughs> it's a word. Documentarist. My mother said I should have paid better attention. Yeah, documentary. And he wrote a documentary, uh, Victor and I. And I was connected with him on Facebook because I put out there, we're looking at this book, and I got a friend of mine says, I know this guy. You should connect with him. See if we can grab him for an interview. Trying to get him. And if you're interested in suggesting a book, we're getting tons of suggestions. And that one came up uh, through the avenues. Awesome. All right. Well, until Thursday, until Thursday, workshop. Join us Thursday night at 8 o'clock and every Thursday night for a live workshop. Later. Take care.